It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. It's the Final Word Cricket Podcast. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon sat side by side in the Carring Bush in Collingwood. Season 15, episode 15. It is the afternoon after the evening before mm-hmm. or something like that. Our live show, sold out live show at the corner with Glenn Maxwell. Uh, we'll start there, Jeff. We've got a lot to get through today, but we may as well indulge in what was a, a night that I don't think it's possible I could ever forget. It's, uh, as we kind of noted at the time, a, almost a, a reflection of 10 years hard work in a way and the time we've known each other anyway, um, that we could end up being in a venue like that, doing something as special as that. It felt like a celebration. It felt like a, a hometown embrace. Yep. All these people who we knew, all these familiar faces who were in the audience and not just showing up to be nice but showing up because we can actually put on a bloody good show yep. by now which is what happened last night it was wild it was chaotic we tried a bunch of new and different strange things which worked to varying degrees the every the, the buy-in was complete everybody was there for it um, even to the point of at the interval for half an hour while we were waiting between segments everybody was just gathered around the screens watching Glenn Maxwell's 200 and yeah, not out yeah. from the World Cup as though it were happening live they were watching Check out that shot, and so on. Um, you know, his folks being there to and, mm-hmm. and glued to the screen like everybody else, and and then yeah, everything else we did through the show. So there'll be some more of that in Sydney. If you weren't able to get to the Melbourne show, and you can get to the Sydney show, do. Um, but it it just it feels so good when it works. I, I hate live performances before we do them and I you love the fact that we've done them <laughs> after we've done them like I, I, I still get very anxious about whether it's all going to work um, but afterwards 
nothing feels better. Yeah, I, I, I also feel that anxiety, but in a slightly different way. I always think, like, have we prepared adequately? And mm. last night we had, because even the small last-minute additions that we made, like the Maxwell innings being played in interval, for example, it all kind of worked. It doesn't always work like that well, mm. but um, this, this did and some other creative stuff that we'll, you know, take on the road. We won't spoil what we did um, last night for those who are going to no. head along in Sydney. But, but yeah, what, and, what and a difference it makes to have someone running the show yeah, who's actually competent and knows what they're doing. So Tom Downey um, from Century, the, the work that he did to put the show on and uh, just the, the fact that it meant that we weren't running around at uh, five to seven going, oh shit, we need a box of pencils for or whatever the things mm-hmm. are. There's always been something at the live shows that we've organised ourselves, which we've all of which have been organised ourselves up until now. The relief of just being able to say, is there a way we can do this? And then it's taken off yep. our hands. It's oh, done. Beautiful. Yeah, Tom played in our final Word 11 team up in Edinburgh and said to me during that, because that's his business working at, at comedy shows and so on, I think you and Jeff can, can do this in mm. a slightly more advanced way. It's going to take this, 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 this. And we're like, okay, we'll go on that journey with you. And he, um, he was sensational. So Tom will be looking after us again in Sydney. We had Cam Fink there, which was a real joy. Cam's been a, a huge part of our lives and our final Word production more widely when we're in the same place, which is mm. not not all the time, but when he is there, everything we do is better. And so it proved last night, having him behind the scenes, shooting stuff and taking photos and having the presence of mind to get a really big crowd shot at the end with us and Glenn, mm-hmm. um, we never would have thought of that. And having a professional photographer in addition to Cam there too, I've had a yeah. quick squeeze at the photos, um, not comprehensively, but a quick scroll through them and yeah, they, they look brilliant and reflect the, the the beauty of that room in the corner, at the back there in the green room as well, mm-hmm. the dressing room, all the bands that have sat in there. Um, it was genuinely a thrill for us. Yeah, it, it was, I don't know, it, it, it felt like getting to play in the area where you're not normally allowed to go, yep. you know, like we, we were we were play acting it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, it was real, you know, we, we, we were on that stage where all of these acts have been that we've talked about before and, um, yeah, and having Cam video it all, so there, there will be some level of release from that. So generally, we don't publish the live shows in their entirety because they're different. A live yeah. show's a different thing. Partly it's that if you're there, you're there, and that's part of the reward for being there mm-hmm. is that you get that experience. Partly it's that, you know, there are things you might say off the cuff that work in a live environment because they're spontaneous, but if you sort of choose to edit those and publish those, then that's a more deliberate way of putting something out you know it might just be an aside you might be taking the piss out of someone or whatever it is in a fairly harmless way but it, it's it's more it, it's less harmless if you deliberately publish it mm. than, if, than mm. if it's something that happens in passing as a as a gag in the room that then disappears so there, there's there's something nice about things being ephemeral not everything has to last forever uh, but there's also a practical consideration that things can be taken out of context if they're Published, but if you're publishing them, you're you're deliberately putting them in a different context as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. I reckon there's a case for us putting out some of the the Glenn interview, but not the whole thing because that would breach the not the agreement we had with him, but the sort of tacit acknowledgement that he could be safe and free in, in a room like that. And just on Glenn, like what an amazing guest, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes, but when he rocks up and he's ready to roll, and we know how good he can be, his talent to use that sort of industry term, and he just basically says exactly what he thinks at all times. 
times. He's funny. He's caring. Um, he makes some serious points and then makes some irreverent points and does all the other things mm. you expect from Maxi. So brilliant guest. He stayed for ages after doing every selfie, signing every shirt. He'll continue doing that, by the way. Those He loves those Maxwell for Australia shirts. I love the fact that his brother and his mum were both wearing one. Indeed, <laughs> his mum, Joy, who we had on the show last week, was wearing one of the originals from 2019. And his brother, um, Daniel, had one from the release we put out a couple of weeks ago with League Tees, who were there on the night. Fisher Classics being there on the night as well was so nice. And, you know, all that other background mm. stuff. But it doesn't work unless Glenn shows up ready to play. And, boy, he, he certainly did that. Yeah. So um, yeah, a, a huge thank you to him publicly. Um, and, just and in it doesn't, what we said it, last night. It doesn't work if we don't have the community that we do have and, you know, the number of people there wearing their Final Word 11 caps yeah, having played yeah. or, um, you know, wearing the, the 2019 bat shirts or whatever it was. People who've been there have been part of this for a long period of time. Mm. It's special to see to see that pan out over the years and, and that it, it's still happening and we're still able to bring people together. All right, we'll um, put a full stop on that. There was one other episode that went out between times, the story time on Saturday with uh, Brett Sunderosa and Daniel Norcross. <laughs> I've only heard snippets of it. I'm not going to lie. I haven't had the time to listen to nearly two hours of two dear friends speaking. I want to hear doing it. Doing four numbers. Um, doing four numbers. I know they spent half an hour talking about Mitchell Johnson before they yep. started. They, they kind of did what always happens when Brett's a co-host and mm. go off and discuss everything other than story time until mm-hmm. you know, roughly 30 minutes into the episode. But I will come back to that. It's just been so much going on ahead of the live show. But from what I have heard, it's worth mm-hmm. listening to. So go back and hear that. And Maxie's parents last week as well on the 99 eps that are still going out, the Andy Flower interview that went out on Friday. So we've been pretty, pretty busy around the live stuff. We've got a pretty busy show as well. We both take off for Perth tomorrow, the first test match between Australia's men and Pakistan beginning on Thursday, the 14th of December. But in all the cricket that's happened, and this was a point made by James Ralston on Twitter to me during the week, a lot of it has been rain affected, both um, in the part of the world we are at the moment, Melbourne but further afield as well. There was a, a BBL match abandoned in Adelaide on Saturday. The PM's 11 match at Monica the final day was abandoned with water getting under the covers. The New Zealand women Pakistan women had a game. Their third T20, we'll come to later, was resolved on Duckworth-Lewis. On Sunday, the BBL match was controversially abandoned. We'll get to that Mm -hmm. in a sec. Uh, The West Indies men defeated England on Duckworth-Lewis. And South Africa's men had a T20 against India, their first T20, uh, abandoned for rain Mm -hmm. as well. So So um, clearly all those countries shouldn't have cricket staged in them because it (laughs) rained in... All of them. Yeah, yeah. And just on the game that was um, cancelled, Jeff, mm-hmm. the one down at Geelong, I, I felt sorry. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. I felt sorry for the team down at Cadenia Park. We spent a week there last year mm-hmm. during the World Cup. They're putting in an enormous amount of work making that an international quality venue. This isn't a footy ground they chuck a drop in into. Literally, it is. But, I mean, by that I mean in the summer, that's what they do to the middle of the ground. But they've put so much work into making sure the facilities are suitable and it gets itself to that grading yep. level. Uh, and they are now hosting Big Bash Cricket every year. So I understand and appreciate that the umpires have a job to do in that situation. Mm. Should have they gone on? You know, my sense from watching some of the highlights is the players were not too keen on even starting that game. Yeah. And once there were divots taken out of the pitch, um, that always makes it a little bit of a lottery. But I don't think that's the, the fault of like, you know, oh, well, they didn't have their shit together down in Geelong. There'll mm. be an investigation. But water getting under the surface and water playing a, a role with the pitch, that's a, a story as, 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 as long as any story in the game that we follow. I obviously have a lot of fondness for Geelong yep. and the the place and the the proudness of the people there who were you know very distinctly having their own identity and and not being an offshoot of Melbourne even though the suburban crawl is is 
heading further and further down the Prince's Highway. Yes. You're basically in the suburbs of Melbourne when you're in Lara these days. It's not old Sleepy Hollow anymore, no. you know. No. Um, and, you know, a huge number of people moved down there during the pandemic, the fast rail link and all the rest mm. of it. Uh, but, you know, it, it is always a place that's looked at askance by Melbourne. There's a real snobbery towards Geelong, which I resent. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just felt fiercely sorry for them. Mm. Like I said last night, get Stephen Wells in charge. He'll, 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 <laughs> there's, there's nothing he can't fix at Geelong. True. Um, but, yeah, it, it's... I don't know, what can you say? Shit happens, right? And yep. sometimes things don't work out, and that was one of them, but I don't think it should be a case where they they have uh, aspersions cast on them permanently because something went wrong. And the major challenge for the competition is that it comes at the end of an opening run where it's been quiet, and there have mm. been two games washed out on the weekend. Well, that game we mentioned at Geelong, they had 6.5 overs in before. And look, there were balls that were going through the surface, and um, there's that ball to Josh. I think that was, was right to call it On the front off. foot, which goes through the sh- past yeah. the shoulder of the bat. It was right to be called off, but if, the game if, before... Yeah, if you get that delivery under the chin, you're in then massive you're strength. going off. Yeah, you're in massive strife, and we've seen games like that um, be cancelled prematurely before. The game at Adelaide on Saturday afternoon was called off without a ball being bowled. Um, The game at Brisbane to Mm. start, the Stars in the Heat, the Heat won by a mile. Um, They they won by over 100 runs, and uh, that that included the Glenn Maxwell injury of the the forearm, which I think he was saying last night is an injury that no one's ever picked up before, the the, the specific injury in his forearm. Mm. The doctors had never seen that in cricket before, so very Maxwellian that. Um, He'll be back soon, though. It's just a matter of going through the the rehab process and all the things they do with forearm injuries. And yeah, one close game with the Sydney Sixers winning by eight runs in their first fixture. I think that was over the Scorchers, possibly. I can't remember now. Steve Smith made a half-century there and the Sixers made um, the most of getting on twice by winning their second game yesterday winning mm-hmm. that comfortably albeit without Smith just on that Jeff it, it strikes me as odd that test players especially Steve Smith has prepared for a test series by playing a big bash game at the back of playing some T20s in India I mean I've been banging on about this for a few weeks or a few months maybe now but I don't feel like they're giving themselves the best chance for success this week in Mm. Perth Smith might rock up and rattle off 100 and good luck to him if he does but in terms of you know best case or central case if you don't Mm. play any red ball cricket before a test series the odds are somewhat stacked against you and if you haven't played any since the end of July um, which is when things wrapped up everything's been 50 over cricket since then um, but it's been some pretty torrid 50-over cricket at times. You know, Smith was sure. basically playing test innings in a bunch of those one days through the World Cup. So I, I think I think to some degree the preparation idea is overrated to a point that if, if you're a player like him who's played for as long as he has, you you know what you're doing more or less. You can, you can hone a few little things in the nets in the space of a few days, but you know how to switch into that headspace and, yeah. and what you need to do differently as opposed to your white ball game, probably. So maybe there's just that confidence that these switches all the time and this is just one more switch. Yeah, I think that's true. They're conditioned to moving from format to format multiple times through the year. I suppose the it feels to me like the most um, the, the crudest adjustment is the mm. one where you have to play in innings where you are absorbing so much pressure over a long stretch of time and yep. you know that, that isn't um, something that We've seen with a lot of cricketers, it can take a minute or two to, to, to adjust. And I'm not saying that the schedule permitted him to play much red ball cricket. At most, it would have been playing for Australia A last week or mm. playing for the New South Wales state side in their last Shield game of the run. And he obviously was over in India trying to shore up his T20 spot because he wants yeah. to play in the World Cup next year. So there are competing interests within the Australian setup. But yeah, it's not just him, by the way. Labashane and Kawaja played a big bash game on the opening night, albeit with a longer yeah. gap before the test. They haven't played red ball cricket. Sorry, that's a lie. Um, 
Courage has played plenty of it, but yep. Labuschagne played one Shield game when he got back mm. from the World Cup. Yeah, it's mostly a function of the of the schedule as we know it, but the yep. Smith one does stand out. But also, Cricket Australia desperately want those players to play some big bash. You know, yeah, wherever yeah. it can happen, just even if it's squeezing in one game, it's better than having none. Yep. At the start of the season, you can have the the big names there for that round. You can get a few highlight shots of them and you know splice them into the reels and whatever it is, and then tide things over until there might be a gap somewhere else where they can sneak in, although they'll be struggling to do that seeing how late the test season goes. I suppose mm. there might be a, the very, very end of the BBL season. I'm just trying to remember well, when the final It's a bit shorter is. this year, isn't yeah, it? They're, they're back to 10 group games, so I, yeah, I don't have it in my head when the finals are, but yeah, they might sneak in one or two at the very end. Maybe in, in between when they've got some white ball cricket mm. after the Pakistan tests uh, they might be able to, to get back and play a few rounds. Jeff, moving away from domestic cricket and to the international stuff, some ICC stuff to get through early in the show. Uh, the segment that we've, uh, well, we, we, we've been putting on the show more than we thought in recent mm-hmm. times, ICC press release copy. Another absolute doozy <laughs> landed in our inboxes this week and I thought we should feature it towards the top of the show. I think I've just refined the um, the segment title now to just shit copy <laughs> um, because there's a lot of shit copy in the world and all of it's funny to some degree, but the ICC are... Well, they're better at it than most. Uh, the pinnacle of international T20 cricket just got a vibrant makeover with the unveiling of the new visual identity for the ICC T20 World Cup. This global cricket spectacle, renowned for its fast-paced action and electrifying moments, will now be represented by a dynamic brand identity that captures the essence of the game's <laughs> relentless energy. Uh, are they trying to say they've got a new logo? They've got a new logo. They've got a new logo, yeah. right, OK. Yeah. Just to establish, so three or four sentences there, yeah. what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. they've, they've got a new logo for the T20 World they, Cup. They have okay. a new logo, but it's also a dynamic brand identity Mm. because it's not just a logo it's an identity (laughs) and there might be some colour scheme things that might pop up in the heads up display on the TV broadcast something like that Uh, but here we go let's let's look at this logo this is very exciting you're not you're not going to believe where they've gone with this (laughs) the logo a creative fusion of bat, ball and energy <laughs> symbolises the core elements of international T20 cricket. <laughs> yes, no shit. The core elements of cricket are a bat and a ball. They are the non-negotiable fundamentals. Like, if you're going to play a game, you can do without stumps, you can have a wall, you can do without fielders, you can have automatic wicketkeeper, but you've got to have a projectile and you've got to have a thing to hit it with. Yep. They they are the things. So they've really nailed that. That is, those and are the core elements. And the two things working in concert with energy. I'm interested well, in the... here we go. Let me walk you through this. Okay, the, uh, the T20 lettering dynamically transforms into a swinging, in inverted commas, bat. Now, I've seen this logo, and it is very much in the shape of a bat. You don't need inverted commas. That's just a word. <laughs> That's just how words work. When the word... It, it's a sound and an image that represents a thing, a concept. That's how language works. You don't need to... Put scare quotes around it. A bat encapsulated within a dynamic, inverted commas, ball. <laughs> this visual representation underscores the pulsating drama inherent in every ball bold and highlights how a single swing of the bat can alter the course of the game. The strike graphic within the ball mirrors the unique atmosphere and electric energy experienced at International T20 World Cup matches with a zigzag pattern (laughs) alluding to rising excitement and heart-pounding moments akin to a strike of lightning. So they've got a bat, they've got a, a, a circular shape, and it's got some wiggly lines. So that's like lightning. Lightning. 1.21 gigawatts. 
apple lightning. When you hit the ball, the lightning comes out of your bat because you're like that fucking cheat, that mascot with his, with his like plutonium bat or whatever at the World <laughs> Cup. Absolutely doping the shit out of it. Um, shouldn't be allowed. Should be banned for life, that bloke. The zigzag pattern as well. I mean, just the term zigzag pattern. It feels like we've gone back to the 80s with the... Um, the jargon being used there, now, alluding to the rising <laughs> excitement and heart-pounding moments. It, it, this is, yeah, this is um, peak of the genre, I think. I mean, for all the stuff we've read out, all the stuff you've read out, I don't think it gets much better than this. Please continue. How unique can you get, though? This is the thing, because the strike graphic mirrors the unique atmosphere, and then adding an extra layer of uniqueness. An extra layer of uniqueness. Extra, that's uniqueness that comes in layers. Through? Uniqueness is like how a tiramisu. Got, yeah. yeah, right, but how's, yeah. that, how's that made no, it through? I don't know. I mean, you are only An extra unique. layer of uniqueness. Yes. Does not make sense. It's a layer of uniqueness. A, a, another thing, another aspect that is unique. I don't know. Uh, the brand identity, not a logo. Not a logo. Don't say logo. <laughs> the word logo's banned. No logo. Naomi Klein, Naomi Wolf. I can't, still can't remember which one's which. Neither can they. The brand identity will incorporate textures and patterns inspired by the host country for each World Cup edition. This bespoke approach, this is bespoke. <laughs> They're not fucking around here. This bespoke approach kicks off. It's cricket, but they're kicking off. Funny. Mm. With a distinctive pattern paying homage to both the palm trees of the West Indies and the stripes of the USA. <laughs> ah, yes, of course. The Caribbean, the only place in the world with palm trees. And the USA, the only country in the world to use stripes. So there we go. That is a, a, oh. a glorious uh, word blender of absolute bullshit. They've got a new logo. It's got a bat through the middle of a circular object with some wiggly lines. With some wiggly lines. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, also on ICC stuff, um, which has um, more relevance than the new logo. Amazon of um, we, we found this news out just after we hit stop last week, by the way, so it's old news, but we haven't had a chance to reflect on it. Amazon have taken over the Australian TV rights for ICC events mm. for the next four years. That's quite interesting, given it's always resided with, well, a combination of Foxtel and and Channel 9 in recent times when it's been, yeah. um, you know, um, certain World Cup games, Australia games, etc. But Amazon having this exclusively and effectively driving traffic to their mm. prime streaming service. It's not without precedent. They've um, taken on uh, different sports around the world and we've yep. kind of sensed that Amazon have been on the way. They've, they've taken an interest in cricket through their yep. documentary with the Australian team, the third series of which has been um, announced this week as well. So it's not a huge shock that Amazon are in the game, but I, I was surprised that really that Foxtel have lost this mm. um, jewel in the crown. Not to say it's the only thing Fox have got. that yeah. won't change the domestic summer whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, it does change the energy of what it'll be watching Australia away from home in these tournaments. Yeah, it'll be ICC events. It'll be World Cups, World Test Championship final. They'll have the under-19s and yep. so on. I suppose Fox just didn't have the, the, the war chest to be able to do it because yep. they've been... They've been struggling at times. Like each new rights cycle for the big rights purchases they make, there's always been rumblings probably for the last 10 years that they, at some point they're going to stop coughing up the huge premiums and then they keep coughing up the huge premiums. Mm, and so mm. there's a point at, at which how long can they keep doing it and what can they actually afford to do? So maybe they figured, look, they, these events are peripheral enough or they don't take up that much of the calendar and so as long as you've still got the home domestic summer and then you've got your football codes in the winter you're fairly well covered uh, maybe Amazon just put down way more money than they could even compete with and it wasn't there was no choice but all Amazon want to do is drive people to prime subscriptions yeah. so they want you to be able to order your cheap shitty tat um, that gets you know two hour delivery or arrives the same day and whatever and if they sign up people 
to more of those subscriptions, then you get access to their TV stuff as well. I'm pretty sure that's how well, that, it works. Yeah, definitely. If you have a subscription to the delivery, yeah. like a, um, I can't remember what it's called anymore, but if you've got, if you've got the... Prime. Yeah, I think it just is Prime, isn't right. it? If, if you've got the delivery Prime. service, yeah. you get the, the television chucked in anyway. And I think right. a lot of people after the pandemic, well, the, the numbers show that, don't they? The way Amazon surged, mm. um, their profit surged through the, the pandemic with delivery. So a lot of people will already have Prime, but... Sure. I've definitely signed won't. up for the free trial about three different times and then right. cancelled it. But, um, but a lot of people, I guess my point is a lot of people won't. So they've been conditioned to buying one subscription service yeah. to follow cricket in Australia, that being yep. Foxtel, and now they're being asked to, to go again. And I wonder how that'll affect it. And it's women's cricket too, where which will suffer from this, I think. Yeah, more so than because, men's, really, yeah. because those those events matter more in a, in a way, particularly they, they, the well, T20 they, World Cup. I, I think they do. I think women's events relative to what you get through the year, yeah. a women's bilateral series, yeah, we pay attention to it, we cover it. There's there are fewer test matches. So it tends to be mm. the eyes of the cricketing world on the women's game at the major tournaments, even more so than it is for the men. So there are some risks built into that, but I guess that when, it, when yeah. you boil it down, it's who's writing the biggest check and, uh, and Amazon surely have done that. And people might be wondering, isn't this on the anti-siphoning list? It's not because the anti-siphoning list only covers World Cup events um, held in, in Australia, Australia or New Zealand. That's right, yeah. So... Australia, and that's only Australian matches too, so there's not any other World Cup games played in Australia or New Zealand. So Australia games at home or in in Australasia. Um, and and there can covered. be creative solutions found to this. And we know that the anti-siphoning list when Mitch Fifield was Communications Minister a number of years ago now, that there were ways gotten around that. Remember when Australian one-day cricket went off free-to-wear and mm. moved to Foxtel in 20, I don't know, 2016, 17, whatever it was. 2018, it was the, the, new, it was the new pay right, deal yeah. just after, the new broadcast deal just after Sandpaper. Yeah, there was the blow-up there and mm-hmm. basically the government found a way to get around it but also there could be creative solutions to Amazon here in the same way that Sky have been quite generous about letting free-to-air stations in the UK Channel 4, Channel 5 run simulcasts of World Cup finals when England's mm. men and women have made it. It may very well be the same that at a World Cup the Australia games end up with a, a Channel 7 or a Channel 9 in the same way that mm. the Matildas games ended up doing exactly that when yep. Optus had the rights for the Women's Football World Cup earlier this year. So it might not be just that you need to physically sign up to Amazon to watch the Aussies play, but it is a new and interesting and creative way to uh, watch the game and um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating um, seeing how it all plays out. Uh, Jeff, we have a little bit to get through with what's going on in Perth at the moment. But before doing so, and ahead of our first break, I think we should do a little bit of... Do I, do I, do I pump up the volume here? I'm not sure. We're in a library. library. We are in a library. <laughs> I was going to go, uh, uh, Nerd Pledge. Nerd Pledge is a nice game that we play with nice people on the internet who fund this program by sending in donations, contributions, subscriptions, whatever you want to call them, to this show in increments of currency that relate to cricket. They don't relate to other things. We have to figure out what the number means. Jessica Curry is Hello. our nerd pledger, a return pledger this week with $7.20 in Australian dollars. Hi, Jess. Uh, yes, her edited uh, number uh, comes with a clue. Should be a straightforward one if you read through previous correspondence, Jeff. Well, I happen to know, Adam, from previous correspondence and conversation that Jessica Curry loves Andy Bickle. Just, just has a big soft spot in her heart for Andy Bickle to the point that at one at one stage she um, messaged me saying, uh, "Can you just reassure me uh, that there are no secret nasty Andy Bickle stories <laughs> because I don't want to know about them, but also now I'm, I'm worried about whether they exist. Uh, if they do, I've not heard them. I've I've heard only nice things about okay. Andy Bickle, who you know is, is, is a, he always had that big smiling sort of presence. He always seemed very cheerful. Andre Bichel, as we used to call him on White Line Wireless, mm. and he does kind of have a French vibe, doesn't he? That that Bichel. sort of 
Yeah, Andre Bichel. 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 Uh, I think Bichel. Mr. Tickel, from Most, those who watch the thick of it. Monsieur Mr. Bichel. Tickel. He's got that kind of broad nose and the, the slightly Gerard Depardieu kind of, yeah. you know, the big chunky head with the blonde hair. And yeah, you can see him wearing the, a cravat or something like that and going into the boulangerie. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can see Bichel doing that. Yeah, yeah, whistling as he wanders down the left bank of the Seine. Yeah. I reckon he looks like Dominique Pignon, who's that the guy who, I don't know if you've ever seen Delicatessen. It's like the very weird sort of mid-90s French, very black film about okay. some guys who run a deli and run out of meat sources and start killing people to serve them their meat in the deli. Okay, I've seen like Water for Chocolate and that's about it. Okay. <laughs> SBS Tuesday night sort of stuff. It would have been like a Cinema Nova kind of thing you might have gone into. So Jean-Pierre Genet was the director. He did The City of Lost Children, which was quite famous, very weird sort of fantasy land kind of thing. And then he did the fourth movie in the Aliens franchise. He did okay. Alien Resurrection. And he used Dominique Pinon in that as well. So he had Ron Perlman, who he liked to use in lots of things, the French-Canadian actor. And Dominique Pinon is kind of short and blocky, but he has a face a bit like a bit like Andre Bichel. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was just, just a development because I was trying to work out who he reminds me of. But he's kind of French. He's kind of got the French vibe, Andy Bickle. Anyway, 7.20 can only mm. mean one thing. Yeah. It can mean 7 for 20. Remember it well. Andy Bickle took at the World Cup. In 2003, the 2nd of March, the artist formerly known as Port Elizabeth was the venue. England win the toss and bat. I'd kind of forgotten about this until I was looking back over it today, that Marcus Triscothic and Nick Knight are absolutely flogging Australia until Bickle intervenes. They sure are. I mean, I remember this night clearly. Hawthorne were playing Collingwood in a pre-season game at the Docklands. So I was in I bet you know what day of the week it was. It was a Sunday. <laughs> Um, and I was, um, and, and I went in, I parked my car at Yarraman Station, which you is always, around you the always corner. Know. It's like your drop the box of toothpicks thing. How many are there? 47. There's three yeah. left in the box. Never had a crash. Uh, so the, the, um, so I went in to watch Hawthorne play, parked the car at Yarraman. I was living with my grandmother not far away from there at the time. And um, we, but the thing was, the footy was neither here nor there because everybody was watching the screens. Mm. This is why I remember everyone was watching the screens of the England Australia World Cup game that had far more relevance to our interest than um, whether Hawthorne beat Collingwood in a pre-season mm. game. I'm pretty sure we did. But upon arriving back at Yarraman that night, getting the train back home, my radio had been stolen out of my car. Oh, no. Which, in a way, was a good thing because yeah. it was the catalyst for me getting a CD player oh. put into my VL, 1986 <laughs> VL Commodore, red with the spoilers and the... Single disc or stacker? The, uh, it was a single disc CD player, but it had, I had the, um, the side skirting and the... Uh, Oh, and, nice. and the little um, spoiler thing. It was a very bright red um, 1986 VL um, Commodore. And I would love to see one of those in the wild again yeah. now in 2023. But yes, yeah, so I, I what know What was that, your most played disc? Um, probably like a NoFX. Mm. Yeah, that would have been around 2003, listening to a lot of NoFX. Pumpkin Drublick. Yeah, something. I mean, it would have been something like that. A lot of very fast music with very mm. loud guitars. Um, that had slightly political lyrics. Yeah. Something, I, I actually, yeah, 2003. I, I had reason to go back and, oh, actually, a Discord channel to listen to some Living End recently. Right. Uh, Dono, uh, Andrew Donison, who, um, who was involved in our live show last night, shall we say, and might be involved in our Sydney one as well. He was a massive Living End fan and he went to the, tw uh, would have been the, 25-year anniversary of the, the Living End self-titled mm -hmm. album and they released an album in 2003 which got a fairly good working out okay. for me. So okay. anyway, that night right. I know was relevant in those ways. No FX were touring recently, were they? Or soon or something? Mm. They're, doing, they're playing like different albums. I'd love to see them do The Decline live one more time, the 18 and a half minute 
punk song oh, yeah, about the, yeah. uh, the travails of I the I didn't really United stick States. with it. Like, I kind of moved. I was in that... I could have gone either way. I could have mm. gone full-on punk. Remember there was that night at Metro? Mm. There was that... Um, I can't remember what it's called anymore. I was trending goo. that goo. You spot on goo. Yeah. I could have ended up there, but at the very mm. same time, I was, I was pu- pulling hard on the indie string, yep. and it didn't take long before I really ripped that thread yeah. all the way through, and that was my life. Britpop. For, for a really long the, time. The, the, the subsequent chapters to Britpop kind of yeah. carried you away. Your Maximo Park, Franz Ferdinand sort of era. A little bit, before, a little bit before that. Yeah, 2001 was The Strokes, mm. Is This It, and Meet Me in the Bathroom, that great book, which has been turned into a really fun documentary mm. as well, documenting that 10 years in New York, which, yeah. you know, yeah, post-Britpop as well from a, from a British perspective. And, you know, it was a mm. fun time to be at university. So that's that's the time, that's the context in which <laughs> you've got Glenn McGrath getting smacked by Triscothic twice on the cut shot and the, the opening over, which didn't tend to happen much. Brett Lee bowling no balls, Triscothic belts him for six, hits him out of the ground. Not a big ground at PE, but it's one of those ones yeah. where it clips the roof and keeps going. Hooked over fine leg. Australia getting flogged. 66 in nine overs for the opening pair. And then Andre Bichel comes on to bowl the 10th, only playing because Gillespie's picked up a niggle after the India game yeah Gillespie player of the match against India for Mm -hmm. fuck all and then um, doesn't play against England or any other game he picks up a niggle gets 10 Dilka leg before and you know it feels like it's going to be Gillespie's tournament moment to get sent home so four dot balls to start for Bickle and then he gets an edge from Nick Knight to third slip Martin dives away takes a catch next over the 12th outswinger Michael Vaughan's edge behind and then another one past Hussain's outside edge to hit his off mm. stump. NASA gone, two in the over. And then McGrath gets Triscothic for a quick 37 at slip. Uh, Paul Collingwood comes in, belt to six off Brad Hogg. Brad Hogg's first ball of the, the match, actually. And then he plays a cut shot at Bickle, caught behind for 10. So they take Bickle off after he's bowled six overs. He's got four for 12 off his first six. And Flintoff and Stewart at 104 through the middle. Bickle doesn't come back until the 41st over. So he bowls like the 20th and then they let this big partnership flourish and don't try him again. Interesting. I've always kind of wondered when, not having looked at the card for 20 years, uh, how did Australia find themselves in such trouble in the chase? That's Mm. why, because the Bickle 7 for 20, you look at that private face, you England are all at 100 and something. Instead they get to 200 and something, don't they? They get to 204 for 8. Right. um, Because Bickle comes back in, in the 41st, bowls one wicketless quiet over. And then the next over, Flintoff heaves across the line, big top edge to Gilchrist for 45. The next over, um, Alex Stewart misses one angled in at middle stump and knocks his middle stump out for 46. And then the last over of the day, Giles chips one to mid-off, so seven for 20 for Bickle. But, yeah, they don't bowl England out. They're 204 for eight as they scrape through uh, to that. And then, well, it's still the second best World Cup bowling figures ever. It would would have been the best ever except five days earlier. Glenn McGrath played Namibia and took seven for 15. But Bickle is still the second on that list. Shami didn't get past them in terms of runs conceded when he picked up that seven for recently. But um, Andy Caddick goes on a tear, gets rid of Gilchrist Hayden, Ponting Martin... 48 for four, Australia. Lehman puts a partnership together with Bevan, gets him to 111, then Lehman's out for 37, then another collapse, Simon's naught, Hogg one, Lee six. So they're 135 for eight. They've got Glenn McGrath as the only one left when Bickle comes out to join Bevan. 70 to win, 38th over, bats through until the 50th, wins it with two balls to spare, 34 of 36 balls for Bickle with Bevan 74 not out and one of the great all-round performances including as we've often discussed that slog sweep yeah. that he hits into the scoreboard into the big replay screen down at St George's Park. Off Jimmy. Jimmy was bowling right. to, to Bickle at the time. I stayed up till about half past three in the morning mm, to watch the so end of it I. and I had to wake up 
the next morning first thing for it was my first day of university. Oh, great. So I escaped back. I forgot that when telling the story before that, that that's the other thing that stands out for this that it was um, yeah just before you know you go into that new phase of your life and yeah that's part of the reason I reckon I love the 03 World Cup so much is that it bridges kind of mm. before being Childhood university and yeah there, there is adulthood something in a way there is something there the, when, when the boy was becoming a man mm. Mm. near yeah. enough yeah the, close the, the, piano music played at the end <laughs> anyway if you want to send us a nerd place like Jessica Curry did you can go to patreon.com slash the final word we'll tell your story if we can figure it out and if you want to sort out your superannuation Adam as we head into our break you should get in touch with our friends and yours at Seabus Super I'm glad you mentioned it it's funny that it came up next year is their 40th birthday 2024 Seabus mm. Super is a tribute to the vision of the building and construction workers who chose to forego a pay rise in their pocket to put that money into retirement savings compound interest yet. That's foresight. Uh, their decision to improve outcomes for future generations has been a catalyst for our superannuation system and better standards of living in retirement. And I want to note today, competitive fees. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm, that they, I'm interested. That you're only charged the admin and investment fees needed to manage the account, right? When you're working with an industry fund like CBUS. Run to benefit members, crucially. That's the test that's run for every decision at CBUS. Is this run, is this decision going to be in the interests of members? It makes that, a difference when you don't have a bunch of other people just trying to make profit off the thing instead of purely trying to benefit the people who are part of it. Quite right. Uh, this means we, we, they, CBUS, keep all fees and costs as low as possible and any profits go to members, members of the fund, not shareholders. Proud to be recognised as one of the best performing super funds in Australia. Check out all the awards and ratings at cbussuper.com.au forward slash campaigns forward slash awards. Get your super sorted out. Past performance, no reliable indicator on future performance. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's 40th birthday. We love CBUS. They were there last night at the live show and they are a fine partner of the final word. Let's take a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hi, I'm Matt Renshaw and you're listening to the Final Word podcast. Jeff, as we jump back in, we're talking VPNs again. We're mm-hmm. talking VPNs. You know why? They liked it so much the first time around. They said, mm-hmm. "Hey, let's stick around for another month." Well, you know, you know why? Because people have been taking up the offer because people want 
a discount VPN. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want a discount VPN? The fastest VPN in the world. No buffering while in streaming. And stops ISP bandwidth throttling. Up to six devices concurrently. Mm-hmm. Price of a coffee a yep. month. And we know that VPNs are important. They have become an increasingly big part of my yep. life because I spread my life around across multiple different countries. Uh, and Jeff, you're the same. Many people are the same. But even if you're not, mm-hmm. even if it's not the sort of thing that you're doing month in, month out, globe trotting, you might be going on holiday once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. This is worth its weight in gold when you are because there are so many things you, you might wish to do. And mm-hmm. also, if you just want to give the impression you're somewhere else. I've bought flights on a number of occasions giving the impression I'm in one country when uh-huh. I'm actually in another right. so I'm using a VPN. It's like the new version of calling up and putting on an accent where you're like, hello, <laughs> my name is Mr. Kronsberg <laughs> and I am uh, from Norway and I would like to purchase. You Norway? Know? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. don't know where that is. Quite a Russian-Norwegian. Yeah, well, there's quite well, a know, lot of... Uh, a funny old time. Yeah, quite a lot of crossover during <laughs> Second World War. Many uh, people were went from one place to another. You know, it's Scandinavia is very mixed up place. Uh, all right, so there's that, there's that, and there's the fact that, I don't know, sometimes we talked about streaming services, sometimes there's, for instance, a show that's available in one country, but not in the country that you mm. happen to be in, and you might wish to watch that show, mm. and there might be no godly reason, no justifiable moral or ethical reason why you should not, because you're paying for the service, but it just doesn't happen to be available for some reason, and maybe you need to be in Norway, if, and if you, and then you can. If For All Mankind wasn't available for me to watch yep. right now, if moving from the UK to Australia for mm-hmm. this stretch of time, if I wasn't able to watch this show mm-hmm. to, to the level I am, it would make me very cross and very upset. When um, I wanted to watch the last season of Better Call Saul, it yes. was not available on the uh, streaming platform of my choice because all of the other seasons were, but not the last one for some licensing mm-hmm. reason. But if I were in the UK, according to my VPN, then I could watch it. A huge discount. For your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash TFW. Links in the show notes. That code gives you four months free on the two-year deal. Also, uh, it's no risk. It's a 30-day money-back guarantee, Mm -hmm. which you won't need because it's bloody good. NordVPN.com forward slash TFW. Jeff. Demtel will throw in the steak knives (laughs) if you do. Okay, what have we got to talk about? We've got a bunch of things to talk about. We've got Australia about to play a test match. We do. Perth there. We're going to do a preview show at the Wacker tomorrow. So we'll do a We're not going to do the full, you know, here's the and outs. We'll save that for the preview mm-hmm. daily. There are going to be dailies the whole way through the series and indeed the whole way through the summer. Mm-hmm. So in, in generality though, going to WA to where they've just changed their administrator, well not yet, Chris Matthews will see it through till the end of the summer, but mm-hmm. after 12 very bloody successful years, when you think about the, yeah. the representation that they have uh, in the men's team, the sort of trophies they've been racking up mm-hmm. um, under her um, leadership in both men's and women's cricket, um, the move from the Wacker to the casino which she oversaw, you can debate the, the merit of it, but that transition has taken place while she's been the chief executive and you know she's always been the type of administrator who's been quite forthright happy to do media interviews happy mm-hmm. to explain her decision making so yeah farewell to a good one managed the Cameron Bancroft bit of the sandpaper yep. fallout pretty well I thought that that was probably a high point in terms of administrative leadership over there um, yeah so that that is wrapping up and that's the end of an era. Um, odd, this thing that we, we mentioned at the show last night, that they, <laughs> they felt they needed to get Justin Langer to come down to endorse, to endorse the, the opening of the summer. Otherwise, mm. a, an Ashes retaining World Cup winning World Test Championship <laughs> winning team wouldn't have been enough of a draw to get people down there. Well, I mean, nobody went last year, so I don't know. Look, maybe they're right. Mm. Maybe maybe that maybe is what's required right. to get West it. Australians exercised about a test match. I do think the world has moved on from 12 months ago. I did a talkback show 12 months ago where a lot of the feedback, mm. around, you know, 
before the Perth test was around, well, you know, will the Perth crowd come? Will they show support to Pat Cummins and mm. his bunch of woke cucks? And they didn't, um, not really. Um, but might they now that they're world champions and world test champions and all the rest of it? I suspect they probably will, at least in equal numbers to what you know, to those who rocked up last year. Remembering that Perth never sells big for Test cricket. Sure. I mean, at the Wacker it was different. There was capacity constraints there. But by day two, mm. in years that weren't Ashes years, you were down to sort of 10,000. And day three, you were down to somewhere oh, under that. 10. If I that, mean, yeah. remember remember the end of that New Zealand game in 2015 when, you know, when Mitchell Johnson Mitchell's retired day, yeah. and nobody was there on the last day. Nobody bothered showing up. And look, that's, that. not, just maybe Perth, 2, that's yeah. not just a Perth thing. No, no. When, when you're outside of school holidays, anywhere in Australia is going to struggle to get crowds on work days that aren't days one and two. But well, that was the same summer that I hand-counted the crowd in Brisbane on day five. That's right. <laughs> we that's got about right. 850. Yeah, Pakistan isn't a massive draw. Let's not pretend that it is. But still, there, there is a point to be made here about mm. whether the Wacker could have continued to have been a test venue for the smaller test matches like this when they yeah. opened up the Casino Stadium. We were told that the Wacker would still host test matches that weren't India and England. Now, that's yep. changed because they've, they've knocked over the printable stand. Rest in peace. Yeah, um, but I but think that was always a lie. I could, oh, I'm I, sure. I, I don't think it was true either. I'm just saying that there was a... going to be the case. That was a, that was a you know, the dog's gone to live on a farm upstate kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's running around. There's, there's a lot of room to run around. It's playing with the sheep and jumping over turnstiles and having a nice old time. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The Wacker's just gone upstate to a farm. They, they did that to to get things over the hump and, and get have the move happen. But the contract at the new stadium, as far as I understand, was always that they were going to get all the tests. Yeah. yeah I remember I interviewed Michael McKenna, who was the boss of the stadium. He might still well be. And he said something similar in that first test we did there a few years ago. Now, the culture war stuff has been ticking over yet further, yet more, sorry, um, through the week. we we I don't propose going through the Mitchell Johnson stuff again. We did that pretty much as it was happening before mm. the Brat interview went up. The interesting thing for me there was that, you know, broadly speaking, my thesis was correct. That um, he, he acknowledged freely that the the genesis of the column that he wrote the Sunday before last was anger and animosity towards both Warner and Bailey for the feedback, robust feedback that he got mm. from Warner when there was that tatter he had with Warner's wife last year, Candace, mm. and with Bailey after the column that he wrote about load management and Spencer, not Spencer Johnson, the wild thing, Lance mm. Morris being no good, and, and George Bailey as chief selector gave Mitch some thoughts about that, and that was what prompted him to get stuck in last yeah. week, at least in part. So. That, but again, that, that, that fueled another media cycle and another media cycle. And we said last week it was yeah. manna from heaven for, our, oh, for yeah. our colleagues who are writing copy every day who need stuff this time of year. And then Warner comes out and plays it perfectly. I've never seen Dave in all the time we've covered his career play such an absurdly straight bat. He mm-hmm. didn't even, like, he didn't even answer. It was like he was answering question time poses from the opposition and he wanted to get down from the dispatch box as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. He had no interest in fueling the fire and he did a pretty good job of extinguishing it as well. Yeah, I, uh, that, that was interesting that that's how it panned out. Mm. Um, and yeah, I suppose the, 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 the Mitch perspective is... Uh, the, the tempering that I was trying to do last week is that I don't think he's angry. He was being portrayed as like he's furious, he's sitting there and steaming and I think he just doesn't care. I think he just thinks, oh, well, it's a bit of fun. You lob some bombs and you see what happens <laughs> and people get mad and he's not fussed by it. So he's not, he's not really bothered by the response. He goes, oh, well, everybody's mad happy days, I feel good, I'm going about my life, you know, why not? He just doesn't see the reason to not question things and not stir mm. things up. Mm. Well, he'll be there this week as a commentator. Mm. That's been confirmed through the week, so there was some ambiguity around that. He yes. wasn't in the original press release for Triple M, if yeah. I understand this correctly. That's right. He's not doing ABC anymore because he's got to tie it with a betting company. So yes. there's this extra layer to this, that he's going to be in Perth with Triple M and, of course, yeah. 
there will be a lot of other people sure. in commentary boxes and we know the media centre there at Perth isn't massive and he's going to be mm-hmm. running into people that have had their say and um, yeah from the cheap seats and by that I mean two commentary boxes down peering through the window it's going yes. to be a lot of fun yeah yeah and I think look I think if Warner makes 100 in Perth I think Mitch Johnson will say well played and, and congratulate him you know I, I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, to to the kind of level of uh, nastiness that people are trying to portray it as Jeff you spent more time watching the Australia A game than I did mm. last week of course I'm familiar with the box scores and I'm familiar yep. with how the game ended but you've been um, glued to your stream <laughs> it, was, it was drudge it was absolute drudgery let's be honest Pakistan 391 for 9 declared PM11 367 for 4 and then water under the covers yeah. called off the game with a, a day to go absolute flat track Mohamed Afi is not happy that was the most entertaining bit was him giving both barrels to Cricket Australia afterwards uh, but you know basically he did the whole well I'm not accusing them of this but uh, one might say that they could have been pretty much that they were playing funny buggers he said uh, the the disappointment in the pitch was really high because we weren't expecting these kinds of arrangements maybe it's tactical but we're ready for it so you know I, I quite like having the shoe on the other foot having the touring team um, accusing CA of stitching up the pitches for the for the practice matches and I don't know maybe they just got a shit pitch but the context is important here uh, Monica has always been it's this always way. Been a road. So, yeah, whether her fees is across this or otherwise, he probably is. The professor's been around a mm. while. Um, it did let Shani make some runs, though. Um, you know, 201 not for the new captain. Yes. I think that's important. Yeah. Like, you know, Sean Masood, as I might have mentioned on, on this podcast last week, probably did, hasn't got a great test record. He's shown he can do great things, but hasn't got a great overall record. Super yeah. inconsistent and had a torrid time um, over here. Uh, I think it was two tours ago. Can't remember. Yeah. But still, the point stands that Sean Masood is the kind of player who they're going to rely on to make a lot of runs in the next three weeks yeah. because their batting isn't deep. So, you know, 201 not out is going to help provide him with the oh, confidence yeah. that he can do this in Australia. Oh, yeah. right? and, and that he can go to some of the flattish test pitches and find ways through, although he'll be facing much faster, much nastier bowling. Well, that's kind of my point, though, right? It's the muscle memory of making the runs on flat yeah, tracks, totally. even if it is against the, uh, the, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the big three and so on. You know, you've, yeah. you've got to be in it to win it. Jordan Buckingham not bowling at... Mitchell Stark pace, um, but took five for took eighty. Five for the palace, uh, the palace, as uh, the the Anastasia Palaszczuk, yeah, <laughs> steaming off the Palaszczuk Express, steaming off into the sunset. Um, Jimmy Pearson keeping up to the stumps at times, yeah, not not necessarily the optics you want, uh, no. but it didn't matter. He still bowled with some some skill and and got some success. Hot toddy got pumped. Happens. Uh, it's going to happen sometimes. One for one hundred and ten from He's a bloody good cricketer. But um, yeah. you, you know, as an off spinner, it is your lot in life when bowling in the first innings on roads to go around. That's yep. how we did. Yep. And I think more importantly than anything, Abra Ahmed, the leg spinner, pulled mm. up with a bad knee, so he's definitely out of the first test. But I think between the lines, out of the second and third, yeah, really, because yeah. they brought Sajid Khan in. The finger spinner as cover, and frankly, I mean, we watched a lot of Sajid Khan bowling on flat tracks in Bald Pakistan head. last year. Uh, nude, head. nude head, nude deliveries, mm. nude figures, <laughs> um, <laughs> nude most things except for the things that you wish to be, I suppose. Great moustache. Didn't do much with the ball. It's a twirly thing with the yeah, moustache, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, you know, so, yeah, guilty, of, to guilty of that sometimes yeah. as well, a bit of comical moustache work. But Sajid Khan, I, I, I'm just going to be blunt here, it wasn't very good 
and I can see him being absolutely chewed up on Australian mm. surfaces. We know what visiting finger spinners have gone yeah. through over the Where years. Off spinners come to die. So I'm yeah. just going to say there have been some better off spinners than such had come, yeah. come to Australia and not do very well. He's not going to do what Graham Swan did in 2010-11. Yeah. I, I hope he does. I hope he does well. Um, he's, he's, he seems a, a vibrant and interesting cricketer. But he's uh, he's the cover, at least for the first test. Asad Shafiq formally retired this week, mm. by the way, while we're on Pakistan. One, one of your my faves. faves. One of your spreadsheet boys. Loved Asad Shafiq. Only Who else are your spreadsheet boys? Uh, I've got the whole. Um, I, I was doing the, the the Steve Smith ratio of matches per hundred for a while when he was sneaking up behind Bradman, but he's drifted significantly, so I've lost enthusiasm for that. Steve Smith, uh, the Steve Smiths men, the comeback yeah. summer, the spreadsheet the boys, spreadsheet the third boys. book in the trilogy of Jeff Lemon, <laughs> license to excel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, well, as actually fake, I loved keeping tabs on because I really wanted him to catch Steve War for runs at number six, so he finished right. with three thousand and 11 runs at six, which meant he was only 154 runs behind Steve Waugh, who didn't had the record. Enough. It didn't get picked enough because they mm. stopped picking him in 2019. He, he made them at, a, at a, a better clip than Steve Waugh did, but Ben Stokes has gone past them both in the meantime. When right. I wasn't watching, he's now the most prolific number six, 3,590 as we speak. Asad Shafiq hadn't played for Pakistan for four years, so it's one of those slightly Pakistan retirements, but mm. he's only 37. He could have played the last few years. He could come out of retirement. could come out of retirement. He's bloody I basically come out of retirement at 38. Don't play international cricket. Yeah, but you can do it. You can do it. You can. I fight. You can, you can do back. it. Come back. Bring it back. Come back. Get him to play for an Please associate don't go. team. Don't you know, go. Get him. Move him to the don't USA. That's where the USA. Pick up Asad Shafiq. Don't go. Get test status. Bat him at six. Stay. And get him past Ben Stokes. Um, uh, women's cricket. We haven't talked about the women's game yet today. Not Should also properly. just mention briefly that, oh, uh, that Matthew Renshaw made a hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So he won in, the bat off. He won the bat off. He won the bat off. But it, I don't think anyone's putting too much store on these runs. But Bancroft fifty-three, Harris forty-nine, Green forty-six, Nathan McSweeney forty, and Renshaw made a hundred. They all did what they needed to do with mm. the bat to go away from this. I remember there was an Australian eleven game down in Hobart. Yeah, as they did annually, um, probably 1996, where Stuart Law was captain. Hayden and Elliot make monster hundreds. Mm. I'm pretty sure it was against the West Indies. And poor old Stuart Law walked in at number three and made a golden globe. Mm. Um, what you don't want to be in a game on a road like that is the guy with a single-digit score next to your name. Yeah. And they all just did enough to go away and leave the nation's capital feeling like they've done their bit mm. um, for, the, for the public record. They're in the Hansard. Slaw lived up to his name. It's a bit of wet. Mayonnaise cabbage that no one wanted, <laughs> abandoned at the side of the plate, uneaten, uninterested. I kind of, I kind of, my my my, my feelings around Stuart Law recovered um, when he was coaching Middlesex, and I found him um, found quite a good person to deal with. But I also know that um, uh, that he didn't last the, the test of time at Middlesex just, either. Anyway, just, just I just meant he was unwanted as a player yeah, yeah, in yeah. the same way that Slaw often is. You know, people eat the other sides; they eat the barbecue ribs and then mm. they eat the, the collard greens and they eat the mashed potato and the mac and cheese and then often it's just the slaw that's left. Um, who's left um, in the Australian women's team? Tre- dreadful segue. Um, mm-hmm. Elisa Healy is going to be captaining, not Talia McGrath. I convinced myself, yeah. I convinced myself that Talia McGrath at age 28 was going to be was the captain the instead the of Elisa Healy at age 33. Back to back The fact they waited. Women's Big Bash League tournament wins for yeah. the strikers. Yeah. We talked last week about how crucial her performance mm-hmm. was in the final with the ball. She's been brilliant since returning to the side on a full-time yeah. basis a few time, a few years ago. I'm not 
at all criticising Healy here, by the way. I just thought, OK, this is a generation change bit. Best team in the world. They've got a T20 World Cup next year in Bangladesh. Yeah. OK, but there's always a tournament around the corner. There's always a major event that's, yeah. that's coming up. You don't make the decision to go with the continuity candidate on that basis alone if you're mm. a side as strong as Australia. So I guess it's gone to Healy on merit. Straight yeah. up on merit. But it was the fact that they didn't announce it immediately. I, yeah. I thought if it was Healy, you say it's Healy. And Healy said on television as soon as Lanning retired that she wanted the job. Yeah. It's not as though she was being coy about it and saying, sure. oh, you know, if I'm asked, then maybe I'll do it. She was effectively the incumbent on the basis that Lanning's barely played, did the job in England this year. But I, I'm still, for all of that, I'm still a little bit surprised. If, if, if the right person were to ask me the question, <laughs> I would consider my answer. Would I, would I, well, would I run for the parliamentary leadership? Um, a lot of people are asking me that question. A lot of my colleagues have been asking me that question. But um, I'm not willing to, to say that at this stage. I'm going to take soundings over the weekend. Thanks for, thanks for I asking. W- I will just say that if, if that, that, that I, will, I will follow the will of my colleagues and the will of the party room. Mm. Uh, yeah, if it's the will of the party for me to lead it, it would be the great honour of my professional life. Until I get sacked in nine months' time by another knifing, yeah, I think I think this is boring. I think giving it full time to Healy is boring. She's been around forever. She's a good player. Let her be a good player. Let her keep doing her thing. But at some point, you've got to let the next generation have a go. This mm. is this is boomers owning all the houses. Energy from Healy for me. Um, she she's she's. She's the post-war generation who managed to buy some nice three beds for four thousand two hundred dollars back in the day, and now she's sitting on six properties yeah, in North Detroit. Franking credits. Yeah, exactly. And 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 meanwhile, poor old Ash Gardner and Talia McGrath, are, you know, having to rent a place for eighteen hundred bucks a week each. All they want to do is get on the property ladder. They just want to get on the ladder. All they want to do. They're not being picky. They're not saying they want a four-bedroom no. terrace in North Detroit. No. They're happy to go into zone, the old zone three if it takes that. And don't blame it on avocado. Like the price of a fucking avocado has no bearing on this. You could not eat avocado for a thousand years and you still wouldn't earn enough to you know, displace Healy from the, the top of the boomer property captaincy <laughs> ladder. Bernard, Bernard Salt is the king of the boomers. Those columns. My dad said that to me. He goes, oh, I really like Bernard Salt. I'm like, no shit, you're a fucking you boomer. Of course you do. Bernard Salt, Bernard um, Pepper on the Bernard avocado <laughs> with a Bernard poached egg. Delicious. Um, oh. 24 bucks. But you, if can't you're lucky. Buy a, you can't buy a house. If you're lucky. I've got a couple of corn fritters yeah. down the road here today. Admittedly, I'm in Collingwood. 28, 28 Australian dollars for a corn fritter. I mean, 28 Australian. I mean, I'm not being. I got accused of being a boomer last week when I, um, Tilo said this. Okay. When I criticised the surcharge on the credit card, you know, the yeah. credit card surcharge thing. And I had a bit of a frolic, a bit of a gallop on Twitter about, like, I feel like we solved parking. Yeah. And by, I mean, public parking. Sure. You, you drive through yep. the gates, you take out, or, or, or you park on the road, yep. you get a ticket. And yep. when you are finished parking, mm-hmm. you pay for the amount of time you've been in that yep. slot. End of story. Yep. Now, every fucking place you go, new app, new app, data being shred, hoarded from you, just to park for an hour somewhere. And then you get liberated. And then restaurants. And then you, go, you go into a restaurant, you want to, oh, no menu, scan the QR code. Oh, cool, I just went into a restaurant with, with people I like so that we can spend 15 minutes not talking to each other and looking at our phones. And then you've got to put your phone number in and put your email address your in and all the in. rest of it. Like, just... Bring me a fucking bowl of noodles. Mm. That's all I came here for. Mm. I'll tap my card at the end. We're going, oh, and we're going full boomer now on... Uh, we're, we're, yeah, Look, anyway. we, we, are, we are all in the process of boomerisation. That's all <laughs> I'm saying is that the next generation would have been more interesting. Um, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a dull, regressive move. Mm. Um, mm. But 
you know, Elisa Healy's good fun at press conferences, so at least there'll be that. They've got a test match against South Africa. It's a pretty low-key summer for the Aussie women. But yeah, well, they go to India. They've got oh, sorry, that, of course they do. I mean, more December. the home summer bit. They've got mm. the India test match coming up. Um, but yes, the I guess the home summer is less um, weighty yeah. than that tournament next year in Bangladesh for the T20 format of the game. Speaking of stuff that's going on in India uh, mm. with the women, England are there at the moment. Three T20s and a great result for England. They, um, they smashed India in the first couple of them. The first they made 197 for six. Danny Wyatt, 75 from 47. And Nat Siver put on a clinic towards the end with all of her um, array of shots, 77 from 53. Renuka Singh took three for, for India, but they got nowhere near it. They fell short by about 40 runs. Shafali Verma made 52 mm-hmm. from 42 off the top. They couldn't capitalise on it because Eccleston makes it too hard. She just squeezes you, doesn't she? Three mm-hmm. for 15 from her four. Sarah Glenn, one for 25 from her complement with her leg breaks. The second T20 was a complete mismatch. India... Rock and rolled for 80, bowled out in the 17th over. Charlie Dean, my favourite, player every game. Mm-hmm. Player every game. She's the best off-spinner in England, player every game. Uh, bowled the first over, got Verma out second ball, picked up with leg before, picked mm-hmm. up uh, Mandana leg before in her second over. The game is set up from there. Bell takes a couple, Eccleston a couple, Glenn a couple. It's a clinic and they chase it down in 12 overs. Capsie top scoring. Uh, and then, yeah, India won the, the consolation game, the third game of that series where England were bowled out for 126. Mm-hmm. The captain, Knight, made 52. Saka Ashik, who we spoke a little bit about during the Women's Premier League, how she um, led the wickets in that tournament, yeah. getting a chance with her left arm spin now for India, took three for 22. Uh, and Sriyanka Patil, uh, three for 19 with her offies, another player who hasn't really been on the international radar, 21 years of age and taking her chance in the third one day. India chase it mm-hmm. comfortably with Mandana making 48 and Jemima Rodriguez, Jemima Rodriguez, my, yes. my apologies, making 29 after making a 30 in a losing effort earlier in the series. Mm-hmm. 2-1 England. 2-1 England and the test match coming up and in devastating news for slamming Sam Kekovic. Lamb is out. Yeah. Back injury. It seems quite serious. Yeah. See, I don't know what's going on here but she's uh, getting a surgical consult upon getting home, a spinal surgical consult. Mm. So whatever's happened there, um, mm. yeah, anyway, well, it, it's it's sad because she's a player who's deserved her spot in the test side. Maya Boucher has been called up as cover. Mm-hmm. They've also called up uh, Kirsty Gordon who we've not seen since the 2019 test Test match at Taunton. Not played mm. a single game for England with her left arm spin. Mm. She's the housemate of Catherine Bryce. We had Catherine Bryce on the show mm-hmm. for the, the Scotland special back in August. And well, we were talking about whether Gordon would move back to Scotland. Exactly. That's what I put to Bryce. I said, look, is there a chance that... And um, I, I thought that may be in the offing, but she's you know back in the Test squad having played really well um, against India A in that series that preceded it. So whether she makes the final 11, I'm not sure. But yes, they've got plenty of spin options to pick mm-hmm. from there, including you know, Eccleston, Glenn, etc. And that test starts on the 14th. Yes, and the contracts are out. Uh, Danny Gibson gets a contract. Maya Bouchier gets a contract. They're first-timers. And then uh, the pace battery of the future, Lauren Filer, who, well, this thrilled all of us mm. in that test match, uh, in the Ashes match at Trent Bridge, and Mahika Gawa as well. The so they've, they've got these, yeah, they've got these, like, uh, incrementally, what do they call them, like, uh, development contracts, mm. along with Bess Heath. But it's a sign for the future when Catherine Siverbrunt's retired mm-hmm. and the only the other player to come off the contract list is Freya Davies. Feel sorry for Freya. Like she was seen as a bit of a successor to Anya Shrubsoul. Mm. She's had a few opportunities, not really seized them. But she signed with the Vipers during the week, so Charlotte Edwards, good shopping there. 
dropping off the England list was Davies and straight away mm. Lottie got in and signed her and I think the, the idea for Freya now she'll do some other things in mm. addition to her cricket and she's a qualified lawyer Freya Davies she's a smart cookie great person so um, whether she plays for England or not in the future again uh, she's made it to that level and mm. that's commendable and they've got Izzy Wong with a contract as well in that sort of pace battery mm. so yeah I mean this England team in four or five years time be really could, be, could be pretty spicy uh, if they can all get it right alright Jeff, we're going to take our last break on the show and when we return we've still got quite a bit of cricket to get through funny that Hi I'm Natalie Jemonis and you listen to The Final Word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins Final word, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. Uh, let's uh, go to the uh, let's go to the land of the long white cloud, mm. um, New Zealand, where we, we mentioned last week Pakistan's women won their first T uh, Twenty international. Guess what? They beat the home side in straight sets. Get in straight sets. Pakistan in the second T Twenty made one hundred and thirty seven for six. Maniba Ali uh, thirty five from twenty eight, presumably batting in her glasses, which she always does. And then yeah, New Zealand were restricted to one twenty seven for seven. So lost by ten runs. Bates divining. Mm. Kerr all missed out. Hannah Rowe smacked 33 towards the end, but it was all too late. Devine's had some knee trouble. Mm. Missed the third T20. Merely Kerr was brought in to lead the side for the first time, which I was pleased to see. Only 23, but feels like she's been around forever. And they won that third rubber, having lost the first two. Pakistan, 137 for five. And New Zealand only had 101 to chase on Duckworth Lewis after the rain. And they got there thanks to Susie Bates. Back to the top of the list. 51 not out. The ever-reliable. And Millie Kerr, as captain, made 35. Mm. And, Jeff, you've been following the one-dayer today. Well, they're playing one as we record. And Susie Bates just made another one-day 100. That's Go number on. 13 for her. Yes. So she's two behind Lanning. Could, Could get she? there. Could, Could she? get there. I mean, I mean, she's played a lot more games than, than Lanning. Um, to, in order to get up to that sort of mark but they made 365 for 4 108 for Bates and uh, a few other big half centuries going on there but um, Pakistan they're only two down but they're 155 after 32 overs so they're probably not going to get there um, but they're batting well they've got Sidra Amin on 80 not out mm. so uh, yeah, the, the improvement in Pakistan's the solidity of their batting mm. on this tour has been particularly impressive because that's not what we associate with them yeah I mean I'm I'm big on them making a semi-final at some point. Mm. I know we said this about eight years ago around the T20 tournament in India. They weren't far away. Then Mm. they had a big dip for a few years. But they've got three rungs of central contracts in Pakistan. It's not like, you know, they're paying 10 players. Mm. They're paying like 40 players. And they've got the Pakistan Super League. I know that's not as big as it might have otherwise been, but it's there now. Yep. Because, of course, they're not permitted to play in the Women's Premier League. So, yeah, green shoots. Sticking with the New Zealand theme, um, Lou Vincent, didn't expect to be talking about him on the podcast mm. this week. He's had his life ban relaxed um, by uh, what's well, effectively by the ECB, the um, the um, the CDC, who issued his life ban, eleven life bans actually, not just one but eleven of them for eighteen breaches that were picked up when he was a county player in 2008. One for every secret herb and spice (laughs) that he stole from the colonel. (laughs) Yeah, I mean the CDC, you know, issued the ban. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand what a life ban means. You can't do, it's not just a playing thing. You can't coach. You can't even watch an organised game of cricket. Mm-hmm. So he's been banned from watching his children play and growing up in the game, right? Yeah. 
at the same time, he took full responsibility for his actions. He gave testimony against Chris Cairns. Mm -hmm. And that was what Brendan McCullum, back in his MCC Cowdery lecture in 2016, said should be used as mitigation for mm -hmm. at least relaxing it. And McCullum's now on the right side of that. Lou Vincent said mm -hmm. in his comments when this came down, it was a terrible mistake many years ago that I'll deeply regret for the rest of my life. And I remain very sorry for the harm I caused. Being able to return to the cricket environment means the world to me. And I feel very fortunate to again have that opportunity so it feels like the sensible end to me that he can I think I mean they've relaxed it he can coach domestic cricket and he can watch cricket again mm. like it's not he's not going to be he's 45 years old it's not about playing it's not about coaching the New Zealand national team it's about being able to potentially coach his kids yeah. it's, it's low level stuff and he has been um, remorseful from the moment that this all went down in 2014 I, th I feel like this is the, the right end point which does sit in contrast with the Selman Butt kind of stuff where he's spent the years since his ban saying that he was hard done by and stitched yeah. up and, and it was all fake and he didn't do anything wrong anyway and what was the problem and that kind of stuff yeah. so I, I think there is a, there is a difference in you can be received differently depending how you approach things yeah. I suppose yeah I mean that's the whole idea of showing contrition, isn't it? Mm. That if you accept responsibility for what you've done, and we recorded a pretty long episode last year about this topic, not match-fixing, but the idea of one contrition. showing contrition in a public and, way, and, and Vincent has done that over time. Last bit of New Zealand here. They squared their World Test Championship Series against Bangladesh. Again, just after we recorded last week, there was the, uh, the Mushficker handled ball. I didn't... Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, obstructing the field. Do you know why they took handled the ball out of handled the ball and made it? I don't know. They just they it just feels like they were fixing a problem that didn't exist. They were just rationalising things. Yeah. You know, like you, you sort things out, you put things in different tubs. You've got sort yeah. of a b different bits of cutlery in several drawers, and you're like, no, no, I'm going to get them all in the one drawer. So it was just a little spring clean of the laws there. They didn't need an extra category of dismissal because. Technically, you're still obstructing the field if you're stopping the ball hitting your stops or whatever. It just looked a bit daft when there was no fielders around. It was a ridiculous thing. Because Mushvika tried to do it before lunch. The mm. same thing. Ball deflected down way outside the off stump, like eighth stump line, and missed it when trying to glove it. And he did exactly the same thing. And Kyle Jamieson's like, that's out. How's that? Imagine if they're running Snicko to see if he got a nick of the glove on when he's trying to pat the ball away from <laughs> Good outside. Good use of technology. Stuff. Great use of technology. Um, but it did have an effect in a low-scoring game. You know, he top-scored with 35. They're all out 172. Doesn't get out there. Again, it could be a very different test mm. match because it ends up being a bit of a low-scoring thriller. So Bangladesh 172 all out. Sartner and Phillips having a great um, trip over there, Phillips. Three wickets each. New Zealand are bowled out for 180 in just 37 overs. So an eight-run first innings lead. Phillips, 87 from 72, four sixes, batting at number seven. At one stage, they're 46 for five when he walks out. Got some support from the lower order. Right. So we're going into the halfway mark of the game. Bangladesh then rolled for 144 in 35 overs. There's a half century for Zakir Hassan, but a huge collapse that was brought on by Ajaz Patel. Mm -hmm. Six for 57, the man who took He's 10 back. For, at the work rest and play a couple of years ago. Glad to see him back. Cop some tap at Lords of a couple of years ago, fell mm -hmm. down the pecking order, but, you know, back in business here. Sartner down the other end takes three for, so two three for's for him. Left them 139, and New Zealand were stuffed. They lost Conway, Williamson, and Nichols early. Then it got no better when Latham, Blundell, and Mitchell dropped off as well. Mm. 69 for six, and you're thinking Bangladesh with 70-odd runs to play with should win it from there, but um, Hedy and Tajul were kept at bay by Phillips, who again after his 87 in the first innings and his he, three wickets, 40... 
It feels like New Zealand's most important player these days. In Asia is. Yeah. In Asia is. 40 not out from 48 in Satna after six wickets. Makes 35 not out from mm. 39. So they really attacked it at the end to, to split the series one all. And that's a that's a, a sturdy victory by mm. four wickets for New Zealand who have registered their first win in this World Test Championship cycle. I thought it was worth just having a quick look at that. And we're a few games in. Pakistan and India in, in, in first and second spot at this stage, then Bangladesh, New Zealand, Australia, West Indies and so on. Um, we'll know a little bit more about that table at the end of the mm-hmm. Australian summer. And then, as many people observed last week, England not content with losing to the teams at the World Cup, mm. lost the series to the team that didn't make the World Cup, West Indies. Uh, that finished 2-1 in favour of the hosts. Um, England did win the second game. They, yep. they won a, a low chase 202 that Windy's made there and Will Jacks made 73 no central contract um, yeah, but, odd. but uh, made runs there and Harry Brook 43 not out but a 58 not out uh, and then they stuffed it in the third one made 206 for 9 Duckett made 71 and uh, West Indies got 191 set for them on Duckworth Lewis and did it in 32 overs relatively comfortably really four wickets in hand I like the names here top scoring for the Windies in their win and that's their first white ball series winning or first uh, yeah, first white ball series win against England in the Windies for like 25 years. Right. So it's, it's got historical relevance. Casey Carty made 50 mm-hmm. and uh, Romario Shepard, who we talked about before on the show, made mm-hmm. 41 not out. So they've, they've done well there. Now, let's be honest, Jeff. Neither of us have actually seen a ball in no. this series. But a member of the final word team has. Cam Ponsonby. Um, he's been in Antigua and he's corresponding with us today from Barbados. Here is um, Cam's thoughts at about 10pm this evening when walking the streets of Barbados. Hello Adam and Jeff. This is a live TFW update from Carlisle Bay in Barbados. I'm walking back from the Copacabana Beach Club having just done a Q&A with Desmond Haynes and Gordon Greenwich. Um, that was fine. Uh, cricket. Who cares about cricket? England have lost 2-1 in an ODI series that people won't even forget in two days. No one even knew it was happening. It was actually a new era. I do actually buy into that stuff. Um, they've got no new players. Josh Butler's being really nicey nice when they lose. They're saying, oh, we played really well, but actually they lost, whereas that would never be the message after they lost under Morgan. So I do believe it's a new thing, but they're not going to play another ODI match for about 10 months when Australia rock up randomly in the UK in September 2024. So does it matter? Probably not. But for the sake of my own employment, I'll say it does matter. Very important. Most important thing that's happened on this trip, I fell in love in Antigua. We don't want to talk about it too much. We're moving on to the T20 series where Ray and is going to take a leading role. Uh, I mean, yeah. The Caribbean's fucking brilliant. It's a beautiful place. Antigua was amazing. Barbados has gone by in the blink of an eye. I haven't really done anything here. Looking forward to Grenada. Please let me know if you have any questions about further details. Thank you. Lovely update there from Cam, um, who is being very honest with us about what this cricket is and what it isn't, mm-hmm. and about the needs of freelancers to keep working as hard as they can. So um, I'm, I'm pleased. Um, and that um, panel that he was hosting with a couple of former Windies greats, I hope he got a couple of a couple of fifty dollar bills for that. Mm. Um, help him pay for his beer money and falling in love as well in Antigua. I know a little bit more about that story than okay. he reported there. It's nice. I'm glad he's enjoying being a tourist, Cam. He's kind of doing what we were doing 12 years ago, although we weren't working in cricket 12 years ago. Yeah. I like that we've got representation in the Caribbean. Yeah, floating around the world doing strange and, and disparate <laughs> and interesting things. A sad story during the week. Joe yeah. Solomon's gone. Um, I, I, there's this... It's this strange thing when you're thinking about some of the older 
players in the game. He was 93, passed away. He lived in New York. And I had this thought that, well, we'll be in New York next year. I had this thought that, well, maybe we can go and speak to Joe Solomon. And there's the accompanying thought, which is how much longer will he be around? Yeah. You know, and will he be in a, at, in his 90s, would he be in a, a state to have a conversation? You know, things that you just don't know when you're not in touch with a person. Mm. And so, obviously, there's a there's a gamble to it. That you think, well, I can wait, and if he's still there, he's still there. Um, he won't still be there. He's obviously most famous for the run out at the end of the Tide Test, and there's a there's a wonderful interview with him from a few years ago. I think it's a Guardian piece, perhaps. Brighton um, Coverdale in um, the Cricket right. Monthly. It was a gem of a piece I read it at the time. Yeah. Like, um, and when he was talking about what he did at Brisbane in 1960, yeah, the most famous photo in cricket history, I mm. reckon. You know. The, the, the shot of the windy celebrating as that 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 throw comes in um, from round the corner, um, and you know it wasn't the only run out that he executed in that final flurry. Mm. He picked up one on the previous over as well, two direct hits, and Bryden got him to kind of recreate the scene of how he did it, his mindset, and so on. But you know, reflecting on when he was growing up in Guyana, throwing rocks at mangoes to perfect his throwing technique, and it paid off big time in a Test match that, well, gosh, how how long ago is it now? Mm. Sixty four years or something yeah. like that and people are still talking about it and it remains like the cover photograph on on the school books used in club cricket here in Melbourne which I thought is a nice touch right. so it's always remained the photo that they use and it's never been better than you know Joe Solomon has a, a really important moment in, in test history there as he did at Melbourne um, a couple of test matches later in the series when his his cap fell off and fell on the stumps mm. and he was given out hit wicket not many players have that happened no. to them no no uh, uh, a legacy and go well on your travels, Joe. Uh, England have named their test squad for India in the last couple of hours, Jeff. Now, uh, how's this? We haven't seen one of these in a while. There's a fair income bolter in this squad. Mm. Um, Shawa Bashir, who I must admit, and I cover the county championship pretty closely, to me, he's a name in a scorecard. Not much more than that. I've never really seen him bowl. But he's been picked as um, as a 20-year-old to go over and um, be part of the 16-man test squad mm. to be, you know, effectively the, the backup spinner. Questions about whether that should have been Dawson, given, you know, Dawson's had a phenomenal season for mm-hmm. Hampshire. But the line given in the press conference was that Dawson's not... Um, his interests aren't served best by sitting around being on the bench and not playing. I think the subtext there is he's um, he's better off playing in one of the T20 tournaments on at well, the same he time. He didn't want to go and he didn't want to go if he wasn't playing. If he wasn't yeah. playing, and if that's the case, then then fair, fair enough, enough too. Yeah. But yeah, Shaw Bashir, ten first class games for an average of like fifty with the ball, but he did take a six for against Afghanistan mm. A in that um, that that. England Lions group that went to the UAE um, after the season Mm -hmm. finished a couple of months ago. So along with Hartley and Atkinson, there'll be the three uncapped test players, well, uncapped at test level who are there, of course. Tom Hartley from Lancashire and Gus Mm -hmm. Atkinson from Surrey have played limited overs cricket for England this year. Ryan Ahmed and Jack Leach are the other two frontline spinners. Stokes, you might have seen photos this week of him. He's had his knee operation. He's going through this extravagant icing process each day. He's not going to bowl in England, in India, mm. although you can never really rule it out with Stokes. Him just saying, nah, fuck it, I'll have a trundle anyway. I reckon he'll bowl off spin over there. I'm, I'm standing by my theory on that. <laughs> Ollie Pope's back from that shoulder injury during the Ashes. So, you know, and they've only got four quicks. Mm. Anderson, Robinson, Wood and Atkinson. So they're... Probably too, too many. It might be too, too many, but, you know, it's a five-test tour. Yeah. Um, for, for seamers, it does suggest they're going to go really all in uh, with their with their spinners but you know no Liam Livingston who played a role in Pakistan last year no Will Jacks is another player who played a role in Pakistan last year in favour of having you know these other specialist spinners and presumably Ryan Ahmed 
Yes, um, playing a role. Uh, well, they'll they'll want him to, but um, yeah, there's always that leg spin question in India as well. Like what what gets done to you mm. if you're a visiting leg spinner, particularly a, a young one who's a bit raw um, on those surfaces over there, where where India's players know how to deal with it um, in a in a way that can be particularly brutal at times. Last series I wanted to quickly touch on was um, Ding Dong T20 series between Ireland and Zimbabwe. And the reason I wanted to touch on it, Jeff, it wasn't on TV at all. Right. And what's going on here? Mm. You know, international cricket, we talk about paywalls and we talk about, you know, this was just a series that happened and didn't, you know, tree didn't. falling in a wood stuff yeah. in Harare. I mean, but it was a really good series. Zimbabwe won the first game by one wicket from the final ball, chasing 148. Sikanda Raza, final words own as always, mm. 65 not out from 42 to make it so. Probably uh, the player I feel sorriest for in all of cricket, Sikandaraza, yeah. works his ass off, does yeah. everything he possibly can, and that team just keeps falling away from underneath him. And so it was in the last two T20s here. Ireland won the second one, chasing 166 with our boys Tector and Kampfer making the majority of the runs. Then Ireland won the series with a six-wicket win in the decider, chasing 141 in the 19th. Again, it was Tector, 54 not out, and George Dockrell, uh, 49 odd out good work from those lads mm-hmm. but yeah Zimbabwe teetering at the moment mm-hmm. they're not making the World Cup losing a T20 series at home to Ireland they've got 3-1 days against them coming up after that glad the games are happening Yeah, but yeah my, my sense is that for all of the hope that we had for Zimbabwe when we made the show about them 12 months ago or a bit more than that now maybe mm-hmm. 18 months ago that they are deteriorating again, and I don't really know why. I'd like to find out. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like we said, when it happened, if they can't make a 20-team ICC tournament, then where's the hope? Yeah, I mean, they're a full member in name only right now, aren't they? Mm. And they're still getting the funding, though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. As a full member, they, you know, once a quarter, they're getting millions of dollars. Yeah, they're getting the, the bigger share than, you know, um, than probably all of the associates put together. Yeah, quite right. Last uh, bit for today, just wanted to um, say thanks to the Lord's Taverners, who kindly uh, had a final word table at their Christmas lunch on uh, uh, sometime last week, whatever it was. Matthew Jones was the table captain. Table captain. They put a line right through my... You put a line right through a table captain. No tip. <laughs> uh, Tom Cooper, Pat McKeon, Abs, Alan Edgar, Debbie Shishbizwaz, Mel Shawley, Caroline Swan, they all were down there in mm. London having a bite to eat and I just wanted to use this as a prompt to say uh, the Tav's been great friends of ours um, please do sign up to run this marathon and half marathon with us in Edinburgh or just to support some or people just, who are just, doing or it or support people who are doing it there's going to be a fundraising link that now I'm finished with the live show I'll get around to creating and I'll be able to start popping that in the show notes for those who can't participate mm-hmm. but we're still recruiting and, and we're recruiting enthusiastically yep. um, let this be your prompt run with us next year run with us uh, or donate to those who run I think that's it Yep. End of the show? I think End so. of the show. Now we have to go to Perth. We've live show yesterday. Do this today. Go to Perth tomorrow. Yep. Can't stop, won't stop. Do a test the day after. Commentate a test on Com- Thursday. Yeah, no worries. Sit for a drink on Tuesday. <laughs> We've been making cricket by Wednesday. <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, pod on Sunday. Put pod. that on the song list. <laughs> Put that on the final web playlist. <laughs> uh, Craig David, Charlie Davis. What's the difference? What's the difference? All right, let's call it here. This has been the final word. The the final word, nothing else. The weekly show, season 15, episode 15, maybe Done. something like that. Um, who knows? Put Pick a fork it. in it. Put a fork in it. It's over. We'll see you next time. Peace. I had to go about it.